0: Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying this a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation You got, our we got audience. Audience. The, power the power of, of everybody welcome to the January 9th edition of one Nation radio I am your host Rich Latta solo this week James is traveling uh, he's on his way back to America from Japan uh, I believe his his flight takes off shortly as I record this I don't he, he I don't know the the time difference still he's been over there seemingly like you know for for six months now but I still haven't figured it out But uh, we're going to have a great show here tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, We're going to also be back later this week with One Nation Radio. We'll be talking about Wrestle Kingdom. We'll be talking about the big AEW LA show. So uh, we're we're coming at you twice this week. Um, The stuff I really wanted to talk about uh, today was like the AEW stuff. Uh, Open up the mailbag and also the news of vince mcmahon coming back to wwe but yeah man um make sure you guys are still checking out the foh draft uh we're still seeing people uh give this thing rave reviews uh we still got more people uh supporting the show so um if you guys don't know how to get it we will have the link in the uh notes of this podcast uh if you'd like to make a one-time or monthly donation hit us up on the red circle uh always appreciate that um this is going to be a great show um vince mcmahon has returned to the wwe um and you know if you guys don't know what that means uh he basically has concocted the scheme that i said yeah if he wanted to blow everything up and go crazy he could do it and i had no doubt that he would uh if if he wanted to but the fucker did it. Um, so <laughs> right out of the Wall Street Journal. So uh, uh Vince is back um, and, you know, he's here trying to pursue a possible sale of the business. WWE said in a, in a news release um, that they basically removed uh, Joe Ellen Lyons, Dylan, Jeffrey R. Speed and Alan Wexler from the board uh, and what they've done in place of that is Vince has put himself back on the board along with George Berrios and Michelle Wilson. Yes those names sound familiar uh, you're absolutely correct. These people were formerly on the board. They had a lot to do with the WWE network being launched and a lot of the content direction um, that existed with that and more importantly nowadays what they'll probably be looked at as are McMahon puppets Um, people that will just you know do the whims of Vince on the board, uh, whenever he needs like, uh, you know, full support of something. So of course, you know, Vince, this is, this comes like six months after, um, he had all the disc, uh, the NDAs get blown up essentially, uh, multiple payouts to women. I think it totaled like around $15 million. Uh, and you know, this, uh, this, uh, you know, range from, like, sexual misconduct uh, to, you know, outright rape. Like, this this guy, I'm going to refer to him as alleged rapist Vince McMahon every time I mention this motherfucker. So, this guy, <laughs> they they put out this, this huge statement. They never, like, mentioned any of the um, misconduct or anything like that in this statement of, you know, that he's returning. Um, they basically, you know, his grand... Uh, you know thing here is like he sent a letter and in December uh, he stated his desire to return to the company and a lot of people acted like it couldn't happen for some strange reason and uh, there were reports from people who shall remain nameless like immediately on this and it was like they were reporting that people didn't want him back and kind of framing it in a way like please stay away Vince and it's like there was nothing ever stopping him from coming back and i I knew this at the time, and I was like, yo, the only thing that's stopping him is free will from coming back, and I don't know. I consider Vince McMahon and Donald Trump a lot alike. I believe they're best friends. Vince was the single biggest donor. Do you think Donald Trump was trying to go quietly after this election? No, he's trying to run again. Vince McMahon was always going to come back, but unlike Trump on January 6th, Vince was able to be successful and get his uh, company back, so... um. They, he he's concocted this grand scam to basically uh, say he's coming back under the guise of selling the company. Now, does he actually want to sell the company? Maybe. Maybe. Let's say he does, right? But he included this little line in there that mentioned that he would be unwilling to support any new TV rights deals. So he was coming back, whether they like it or not, as far as he's being the chairman of, Of WWE but we know what he really wants he wants the chair not the chair that's in the hotel room that you that you go in you take a picture of and put it on the timeline before you get to the business not that chair even though Vince probably has one or two of those laying around um this guy wants the head of creative back he saw six months of Triple H uh basically running like this show and you know, he probably just went crazy. You know, he was frolicking around with this younger woman, um, and he basically, um, you know, had people showing up to his birthday. I think Brock showed up, John Cena showed up. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of people showing their ass about Vince McMahon these past uh, couple uh, months and you know even this last whole year. Let's let's take it all the way back to when uh, Pat McAfee interviewed this guy. And we we said that thing was a sham and a, a and a snow job uh, when it was going on and we covered it in full detail. Obviously, I did the the big eulogy for Vince McMahon. All that stuff still stands. We we packed Vince up on the FOA's draft, so that's also serious uh, audio that you guys should check out. But they came out here or he's coming back now. And right in the middle of WrestleMania season, have we considered that this guy just wanted some time off? In that letter that, you know, he, he sent out stating his intention to return to the board, he basically gave the game away. He was like, I believe I got some bad advice. And looking at it, you know, as far as like everything blowing over and it just wouldn't be this bad thing for WWE, the sad thing is he's probably right. Because the second Vince Man comes back on camera, we know those fucking drones and those idiots are going to bow down before him like the West Side Connection, try to turn this into this triumphant comeback story, even though this man framed it as a retirement, it's time to go, never address the allegations, anything like that. When alleged rapist Vince McMahon comes on air, it is your job, or I won't say you have a job, right? But if you listen to this show, right? I, I would assume that you <laughs> you you either find our uh, our audio and our thoughts like engaging. You find them uh, some a, a way. You might you may even be influenced by it, which is cool. You may be entertained, but <laughs> dealing with alleged rapist Vince McMahon, I feel like we should be able to call him as such. Uh, this shouldn't be the, the grandfatherly figure returning back home, giving us our wrestling back and the geniuses here. Like, you're going to see a lot of fuckery the more this plays out. Um, And th- this whole thing, like, as far as, like, the sale thing, he broke the glass that a lot of people didn't think he would. And I don't know why they they got this false sense of security. And that not only goes for fans uh media members that goes for wrestlers too. I was having conversations with a friend of mine and it was just like, yo, how could like wrestlers, if you're in the business, right? How could you not see Vince McMahon was still in charge? He didn't go anywhere. He's still signing your checks. He always owned the company. He always had the most shares. This was always on the table. And <laughs> there are people that have signed with WWE recently. There are obviously, you know, the the, the Triple H, um, you know, rehires have, have become a meme so much of, you know, they had the one fist, then they had the second fist, and then we were waiting for a third fist to pop up behind his head. Of all these people that he've re- re-signed from, you know, everyone ranging from Bray Wyatt, who hasn't taken a sim- single bump yet on, a, on national television, uh, to Hit Row, to... Um, just tons of other people. Filler, like Emma. We haven't thought about her in years, and she's back. Triple A's just hiring everyone back. Like it's all good. And with Vince coming back now, yeah, I think these people like I I don't know if they thought it was all sweet, like thought it was gone forever. I don't know, man. I hope a lot of people didn't, you know I I hope a lot of people kept their heads down and, and just tried to try hard because otherwise, like, you know, it's about it's about to be You know, a clean-up season, one would imagine. Uh, William Regal, brother. (laughs) Uh, Tony Khan alluded to this on Twitter um, as far as... People treating him a lot nicer the last 24 hours, uh, which was a good tweet. And, you know, all the world's dumbest people got mad at him rather than uh, alleged rapist Vince McMahon returning. So, um, seems like there's, like, some type of problem there. Uh, We have a lot of people in the chat uh, welcoming uh, various members of (laughs) the roster to their new professions. Uh, Hit roll, welcome to Dat Piff from Black Sabre Jr., Bray Wyatt, welcome to OnlyFans. Apparently, from Brew Haven says. Uh, Dragon Lee, woo, buddy, he just signed. Io Shirai, welcome back to stardom, man. There's a lot, yeah, man. It's um, it, it's a lot of. It, it's gonna be really bad, man. Uh, as far as like you know, just how everyone, you guys know how this is gonna play out. And you know, this guy, his. You know, they were alluded like he's, he wanted to come back to creative as early as last week. So um, there, there, were sub, there were subtle hints going on of, of Vince, like possibly already having his hands in the creative stuff. Usually um, on Mondays, we're, we'll see a lot of previews or, you know, different things uh, going out. One thing that Triple H was good at, uh, and I'll get to him in a minute, uh, during his time is like letting you know what was coming. There was some stuff advertised and all that stuff. Monday, there were two things that were uh, advertised. It was like Alexa Bliss will address her actions, and I believe uh, Austin Theory will speak uh, on Seth Rollins and, you know, this this injury. Nothing else. You know what to me that is a sign of? Shows being rewritten. And who rewrites shows? Vincent, excuse me, alleged rapist Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Boy, boy, boy. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we about to see the switch up of a lifetime, you know, anyone that was that was acting like, you know, the the thing they were they were telling us Vince wasn't so bad. Then they were telling us, you know what, all that Vince was terrible, they had to lie and then switch it up for Triple H and twerk work it up on the timeline and, and do everything they want. Now they gotta go back to saying Vince is good. So like this is the stuff that that I live for when, when I when I use the app, you know I'll I'll, I'll use the the bookmark button sometimes. And I have this this thing that you guys may have seen if you follow me on Twitter where I'll say, bring it back to the light. And boy, boy, there's going to be a lot of bringing it back to the light going on. This man, excuse me, alleged rapist, Vincent Mann is absolutely disgusting. I feel like everyone should address him as such. And him coming back was not a real shock. You got to wonder about Triple H. You got to wonder about Stephanie. Um, Not too long ago, Stephanie was thinking about hanging out with her family more, you know, attending to to her husband. And, you know, they were burying her in the media. And then she was Vince. And then she was also on the board. Um, The Nick Khan thing. Triple H. There's a lot of moving parts here. This story uh, is almost like the gift that keeps giving, especially going into uh, the TV deal season. There are some people that uh, feel like Vince McMahon makes this thing less valuable. To Vince, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care if it's quote-unquote less valuable. He would rather be in the seat making less money than watching someone benefit while he's not involved. Um, So this is uh, an, an evolving story, but Triple H, man... If, you, if you're looking at this guy, you've been preparing for this job for probably like at least, let's see, when did NXT start? Let's call it 15 years. Let, let's do that. 2009, 2010, they were doing like the NXT stuff. Let's make it a, a nice round number, you know. and uh, maybe even longer than that because, you know, we, he was sitting in on creative stuff as early as the 90s. Let, let, let's call it 20 years just to be safe. He got six months to run the WWE in his image, you know, uh, quote unquote. And what did we really get? We got some pay-per-view shows uh, that were positively reviewed. We got like Clash at the Castle. Uh, I think your our, your uh, average WWE fan really liked Survivor Series. It wasn't so much, you know, my, my cup of tea. But the pay-per-views have been more solid overall, I would say. You got some slightly longer matches. Got a lot of rehires. And you got, like, mystery angles, like people uh, showing up wearing hoods on their their face and getting carried off and doing stuff in the background while somebody uh, is doing an action right in front of you. To my knowledge, uh, as far as, like, what people are saying is hot about the WWE, right? They're saying it's the bloodline. What does Triple H have to do with the bloodline? That was going for him already, all he had to do was, oh, yeah, that was already running. Just let, you know, Reigns and Heyman and them do their thing. That was already in motion. After that, you got damage control? You going to throw that at me as a success? No. You're going to throw, like, uh, you know, like, you, you brought Becky Lynch back? Cool. What's she doing now? Uh, you know, you bring Charlotte back? That That's the answer? I don't know, man. It... You, you, you got some slightly longer matches. You got really no visual changes with the show. You got uh, Matt Riddle being booked as just an awful human being, which maybe is a reflection of reality. Um, <laughs> Sarah Logan, welcome to Fox News. That's great. Um, yeah, man. And you, you got some slightly longer matches. And if you're someone that, that, that was really hoping Triple H got his hands on this thing, I don't feel like you can be like... Like excited or like or fulfilled or anything like that as far as like what you actually got. And I don't think he's out of creative yet, but it's a matter of time. Let's just say that. Like, can can we at least like admit that like you let uh, Mercedes Monet walk out the door because you undervalued her and you'd rather push Charlotte and bring her back and win the title and you'd rather push Ronda Rousey. These are the personnel decisions that you're making. Um, you, and you have you you set off all this chaos with the uh, with the tampering stuff and everything like that, and you look at Triple H, and then it was like, man, this is this is all he managed to do. Is this it? This was the big the master plan, huh? All these years of prep, I don't understand. And you know, I feel like you got to be let down, you know, by, by Triple H. You you if you were looking for a sweeping change. You did not get that, and I think wrestling fans deserve a lot more. Uh, Triple H purported himself as much more than that. The way he would run NXT, he was booking Gargano versus almost at times. That's what Vince would have booked. And I think this is something that you know I warned of, where I would I would talk about, "Hey man, Triple H, who did he learn under for years and years?" Yes, he's opened his his eyes as far as. Uh, you know, what he may look for in a talent, may, who he may allow in the door, who he may even push, you know, in the developmental system. But at the end of the day, this man was trained by Vince McMahon since 1999. I think that really says it all. WWE didn't change all that much over the past six months. This roster's like working really hard. Like that's one thing, you know, on this show we always give credit to the wrestlers. A lot of the WWE wrestlers when they show up on game day, they're ready. They're 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 ready like and, and if you take the chains off, them they're ready. Becky's coming. Bianca's coming. Walters for sure coming. Uh Sheamus, you know, when he's showing up ready to do his thing, the Brawling Bruce, that whole thing like these guys in the ring Kevin Owens has been better McIntyre uh reigns for what he's you know trying to trying to pull off people are loving this thing in the ring I I'm not giving Triple H the credit for their effort when they step to to the ring because these people will try hard whether Vince McMahon's in the chair whether Triple H is in the chair or whether Rich Ladd is in the chair these people will go out there and bust their ass so when I'm looking for Triple H, it's like, I don't know, man, you, you got I got to see more. And it's maybe it's unfair that to, to really judge him because he didn't get to see through. He may not get to see WrestleMania season all the way through under his vision. Maybe he has some stuff set up that was all due to come together. But what we got, I feel like, you know, his his bright idea was to, to pull out war games. And it was like, that's not like WWE's match. War games doesn't belong to you. No matter how many NXT ones you've done, it's the fans don't quite like. It doesn't quite. It's a it's a hard match to have. It, we talked about blood and guts on this show. We talked about this one. Like, I don't know, man. It, it, with Triple H, I, people thought he was the second coming, to savior, and I can't I can't kill him because you know, I think he had a lot of stuff. Like he couldn't just take the belt off of Roman Reigns and decide to like scrap everything, but. He could have not started pushing cross. He could have uh, not brought back Strowman, Wyatt, all these bums essentially that 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 he just brought in, and it was just like, what are you doing? And I know he w- he wasn't really left with much because a lot of his guys and a lot of the best people that were in NXT, they're finding success elsewhere, like Swerve Strickland, like Kyle O'Reilly, even though he's injured, Adam Cole was main event pay-per-views like I don't know man Keith Lee like these are the people that he wanted to come back so what he was left with were the bums the suckers the people no one wanted like Sarah Logan trying to tell me this is a game changer you know Tegan Knox coming out here looking like 6 9 showing up what they ran out of pops ironically unbelievable Um. um, But yeah, man. Um. This was, you know, this news, and and, you know, I I imagine people are, are asking, they're like, Rich, so like, are you happy or are you sad that Vince McMahon is coming back? I'm indifferent at this point because yes, it sucks that alleged rapist Vince McMahon can just use his power the way America is set up for him to own this thing and he gets to do that right but it's like well what did y'all dummies think would happen if he had the opportunity to do this so it's it's mixed emotions on that front one can only hope for the safety of a lot of the you know the, the women that are in that company working and you know there's a lot of people hoping that Vince doesn't Go to the creative. Like, this is the one thing they're holding on to, right? I'm here to let you know. Vince McMahon did not upend his entire executive board just to be on the board. Vince McMahon did this to come back to the place where Vince McMahon thinks he belongs. On top, number one, as the man. that's, That's all this breaks down to. And you know we can we can go you know uh, we can go through every single layer of this thing, and it all comes back to this is a white man that <laughs> with a lot of money that is not taking no for an answer, and ironically that's how he got in this in the first place. So let's move on um, from Vince McMahon. Um, (laughs) I was going to talk about a little situation that, that happened on Twitter recently. However, uh, I'm going to skip that. Uh, if you guys want to know, check out my Twitter. Um, not going to escalate it any further, but, um, AW had a big show in Seattle. First show of the year. Uh, we got the new look dynamite, uh, red and blue colors. A lot of people saying it looks like WWE. I thought, I thought the building looked nice. It looked lit up. Uh, I like the new stage. I don't mind it necessarily looking like WWE. Just don't be WWE. Like that's <laughs> that, that's all that's all it all, uh, you know, comes to on my end. So, uh, I didn't know WWE owned the colors red and blue. I didn't know they owned laser lights. So, um, you know, it's a it, it's a thing. So, uh let's let's start at the top of the show. Um we opened up with Ricky Starks versus Chris Jericho. So, this uh, match was uh before we, I guess we, we talk about this match, we got to talk about this crowd in Seattle. This is one of the hottest crowds that i possibly ever seen. And this comes on the heels of, um, you know, that Denver show, which the crowd was awesome. And then all those shows throughout Texas were Houston and – or excuse me, like Austin. And um, uh, I believe it was uh, Austin, uh, Dallas, San Antonio maybe. And they came out here and – they were hot. This whole thing and like this has been a nice like loop as far as like you know this isn't South Carolina, this isn't Buffalo, New York, uh, th- th- this isn't these 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 places that showed up apparently prepared for a funeral. Like this was all elite wrestling. Like this was what you know the the, the company was built on: hot crowds and, and and great wrestling. And we got to this uh, here, and this was Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho. And I was looking for a lot of the Ricky Starks. I didn't I didn't think we really got to. Um, I didn't know if we got a chance to review. Uh, Ricky Starks and MJF. I don't remember uh, re- really reviewing it or anything, just because of like the uh, hectic schedule. I got, co- I had got COVID again. There was like a lot going on, but um, Starks and Jericho. This is a total Jericho layout. Uh, I could tell. Lots of twists and turns in this match. Good near falls, and I liked a lot of what Starks was doing here. I And him winning the match, I had no problem with that. I thought that was actually a good choice. Jericho got a lot of wins uh, with the ROA's title. Uh, Starks is a guy that's on his way up. And this was probably the most I've been impressed in the ring with Ricky Starks. Um, You know, still got a long way to go. They they beat his ass after the match. um, But before that, like, you know, they... Made you think Starks was going to get fucked. Um, they had, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society out there. They didn't have anybody helping Ricky. And they did the bat shot and, you know, the subverting expectations. Loved all that. I'll probably go four stars on this match. Um, the crowd, like, fucking loved this match. They were way into it. Um, <clears throat> this one um, basically ended with uh, Starks... Uh, rolling up Jericho, uh, or excuse me, hitting, uh, Jericho with a spear, uh, after, uh, Menard and Parker, uh, got dropped on the apron. After that, Jericho Preachers Asian Society, uh, hit the ring, they whooped Stark's ass, uh, Action Andretti came out there with a chair, he has a big eye patch on, he's also showing up to all these, uh, various charity events and indie shows with the eye patch on, so there's always an eye patch angle going on in AEW somewhere, it seems like, um, uh, Tay Mello and Jay came in, got the chair away from uh, Andretti, gave him a low blow, um, and basically that, uh, the Hager gave, starts a powerbomb off the apron, through the table, this is eerily reminiscent of what they did to Eddie Kingston, so I don't know if they were conscious of that, if they were trying to, to mirror that, or if this was like, you know, just the same idea again, I don't know, but, um, after that, uh, we had, um, Tony Schiavone welcomed us back, uh, and he brought Hangman Page out to the ring. Uh, Schiavone mentioned that Mox, uh, you know, was challenging Page next week at the Forum. Page said, as of now, he's not medically clear. Crowd booed, uh, and then he basically said, you know, if I don't fight or anything this week, I'll be cleared to knock Moxley's dick in the dirt. And I love this line. I didn't. <laughs> it's not often you hear something like that, so uh, I, w- you know, it, w- it was good fire out of Hangman. Um, after that, Moxley came out. He was surprised Page was even here. He said he's sick of the sympathy cards. Uh, this is hard, tough man, John Moxley. Basically, like he's tired of the sim- sympathy cars and the the candlelight visuals for the the man that is not dead, Hangman Adam Page. Uh, there was some hijinks going on with the mic where the arena couldn't hear him. Mox starts flipping out, dropping f bombs, and you know basically gets it back on track. It's like, go Seahawks and all that stuff. And he, you know, Moxley mentioned something about uh, Page being mad at him for knocking him out. And Paige took the mic and said he's not mad about that. He, it's how Mox called him out, making him a joke. And uh, Paige said Mox was, was threatened, and he's got two in the chamber with Mox's name on him, and he's going to take a shot at the forum. Uh, and then Moxley basically said Paige's Punk ass doesn't belong in the ring with him this week, any week. Uh, and he's, he'll make sure he doesn't get back up. This was just real hard, tough talking from, from tough men and, and like guys that are like uh, and they, basically like they've set this program up. really nice. From the brawls to to the promos to the backstage stuff, Uh, these guys, like, this feels like a real hot match going into next week. They couldn't save it for the pay per view. I wish wish it was on the pay per view, but these guys have been on a collision course for quite a while. And that last match that they had with the inconclusive finish, the knockout, if you will, um, that actually, I think, added a lot to this. And I think it was like, it was just a, a fortuitous finish that. You were able to like tell this wonderful story out of, and um, I'm really interested to see who's gonna win here. And I don't know who's gonna win. Uh, I feel like Moxley's gonna win just because Moxley's like really loses or anything like that. But um, with the the how they're being portrayed in this, I feel like Moxley's kind of leaning a little bit more like little bit in the direction of he'll do anything to win pages kind of remain honorable still. So, um, you know, they're asking you to pick a side. It's on you who you want, who want to cheer for here. Um, I am loving like pages execution, in this program. And like, I, I think his, uh, approach to being a babyface is so modern. And so like, like kind of new, uh, I, I really enjoy it. Um, and black saber junior says two tough white men. Yes. <laughs> um, for sure. Um, But after that, we got uh, Samoa Joe, Darby Allin video package as tonight's main event. They were in Seattle. And that was, uh, you know, everyone was worried about this show in Seattle and Brian Danielson in particular, right? But they forgot that (laughs) they have not only – Danielson's not the only person from Seattle here. Yes, he's the biggest star. He's the person with the most legacy and everything like that. Swear Strickland is also from Seattle. And then the man they built the main event around, their homegrown guy, Darby Allen, is also the the guy. Like, you know, I think that was a um, a smart thing to do to, like, basically give all the Seattle guys that second hour and then end with Darby. who has been your guy since day one. Like, I think that's really smart. Um, but before that, we'll, we'll get back to that. The acclaimed take on Darby. Double J, J E Double F, J A Double R E Double T, Jeff Jarrett and J Lethal, and they defend the A W S Tag Team Titles. This was excellent, insane heat. Uh, the pre uh, rap, uh, pre match rap stuff. Jeff Jarrett going ape shit and putting, um, his foot in Max Castor's ass verbally. Um, this feud has just been a pleasant surprise and one that I just had no idea would be this enjoyable. This was, this is straight out of Memphis and this is, this is a very old school. Like if you're going to tell me Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal are going to work in the tag team division and just go up and down it. Jarrett has been a sneaky, great hire, especially like you know, when you add in like his out of the ring stuff, like with the uh, business development stuff and the international stuff he's working on with AW. This looks like a steal. Like, if we're talking about people that have been hired from WWE, as far as like Michael Mansbury, the, the production guy, but Jeff Jarrett backstage, everybody loves him. And if he's gonna come in and work like this and then have these hot feuds with these up and coming guys this shit owns. Um, they did a dusty finish in this, um, this featured Max Casser doing Kurt angles, moves, uh, Jared, just in full heat mode. Um, you know, daddy ass out there doing the scissor thing, getting thrown out. Um, in these guys were just working like this, like this old school match. And, it, and the crowd was molten, molten hot for this. Um, they, like I said, they did that, that dusty finish, um, portion, where um, Jarrett hit the stroke. Uh, of course, uh, that ended up le- letting Lethal get the three count, uh, but you know his boot was on the ropes, and the cool thing here was Satnam Singh was getting thrown out. So Satnam Singh's so big, they can't control the guy, essentially. All the refs are out there anyway, and this is where Aubrey, out of the corner of her eye, catches the the foolishness going on with uh uh Sanjay Dutt knocking the foot off the ropes and instead of her not being out there like it was kind of like a natural thing like that this ref would correct it like they they didn't run out of the bag and say hey we've got instant replay we need to show nothing like that it's like a quick thing crowd was shocked that the titles changed i was sitting there like no they're not going to do this and then i was like okay they're going to they're going to switch it up here and then, like quickly after that, Double J was pinned. Or, excuse me, Double J was not pinned. Let me rephrase that. Jeff Jarrett's not getting pinned. Jay Lethal got pinned um, by by Bowens. So um, they won the match. That directly led to a rematch, and, a, and a, or, excuse me, a promo later on the show. Set up a no holes barred match on Rampage. I'm not going to cover that tonight. But um, these two teams had a hell of a week. And man, I I can't I can't like say enough about like what the, like the acclaimed are coming out hotter on, on the other end of this jared and lethal are, are looking great uh a lot of people were looking for jay lethal to connect with them in some way maybe he's still not but J- you cannot say jared is not doing this thing I-, I don't care what you think about jeff jared a lot of preconceived notions about jeff jared and the thing about jeff jared is jeff jared is not a main eventer but anywhere else jeff jared will be awesome even at his, his older age because uh like he said on this podcast like you damn sure can't outwork him like he, he's gonna like we we're talking about working the room and everything like that he's a master he knows all the tricks and he can get heat like people you know there's a lot of the the heat that's going on with mjf some of it is uh some of it's real and then some of it is we want to be in on it and stuff like that there's nobody that really want you know in in mass that really wants to be in on jeff jarrett like that here But um, looking past, like, you know, being kind of a commentator on this, I can look at what he's doing. I really enjoy it. And um, can't wait to see what else he does. So, after that, uh, we had uh, Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. They got interviewed about their match with Soraya. Um, Baker and Hayter call themselves the AW Originals, and Soraya just doesn't get it. She doesn't understand the company, which got a chuckle out of me. Um, She basically said, um, you know, Baker and Hayter... They worked their way to the top. Saraya just came here. She, uh, you know, was friends with Carl Sheeta, Tony Storm. She can't make her decision on, you know, who her partner's going to be. Um, and Bader, Baker just basically called her, called Hater the killer, herself the pillar. She basically said, uh, also that she's the boss and winked at the camera. So a lot of people are wondering about the newly dubbed Mercedes Monet. Um, they ended up, uh, with a pre tape. I'll just go into it now, later on, to where, um, they were so showing Soraya with Tony and Carl Shida. Carl Shida doesn't say a word. All actions, all just memes, vibes, everything like that. And Soraya chooses Tony Storm. So everyone's kind of like, what's going on here? Um, and the way they kind of did it was Soraya was kind of asshole Like, she kind of just, like, turned her back on Sheeta, didn't mention her, really talk about her, kind of just dismissed her for tony storm who she had already had this previous relationship with worked with in another company so you know there's some people theorizing there's a you know the originals versus uh, the outsiders thing maybe going on i'm all for that i think it, it works well and it felt like she was gonna be like oh hell no i'm about to get like it felt like the the obvious setup was sheena sheena attacks tony storm either to take her out of this match or even after the match to to where they're going to pair off at some point. But we are wondering, like, where does Mercedes Monet fit into this? And this has been – she's had a great week as far as, like, selling all those tickets for Battle in the Valley and looking like a really valuable commodity, as some smart people told you she would be. Um, But it's like, where does she fit in here? Is she still going to be, you know – is it going to be a substitution? Is it even smart to do it this way? Is it, it's an angle. You know, do you need to reveal the um, the the person? Like, you know, and I'll just take it back to what, like, TK says. Like, they were asking him about this mystery partner on City. Shout out to Will, Reg, and Phil. And he was like, it doesn't really behoove him to, uh, you know, to, to basically uh, divulge that information. So... I'm going to kind of go with that. Um, you know, there are people that may think, you know, you need to, like, get her out there and then advertise it and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, yeah, but there, there's more than one way to do this, I think. And I think it's like, you know, if you marry yourself to everything, just has to be about every single rating. You're just bogged down and not creating kind of, like, either natural moments or whatever you're trying to do. Um, there are some people that have the theory about the tickets, like, maybe she... Like, because, you know, when Saraya debuted, they didn't tell you it was Saraya, They didn't tell you anything. Like, she just kind of... Like, wouldn't you have wanted to, like, promote her ahead of time anything like that? It's like, no, she came as a surprise after a match. I think that's the template they're going with here. And then tried to pop whatever her appearance is later on. As far as, like, you know she's in the ecosystem. Um, and you either use that to try to, like, put her on a pay-per-view or anything like that. like Or you just do appearances after Uh, that may be what they're going for because you know if she's like this star like that i don't think you know like look this show already has (laughs) the elite versus death triangle game seven john moxley versus hangman page i don't think there's gonna be that much more like as far as like you know like the level they're going to be at and then what they quote unquote will miss out on if she's not uh exposed ahead of time Everyone's going to be plugged in. Uh, I think AW has got to keep doing them on this. Um, but after, we'll, let's uh, go back in reverse. We had uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry backstage basically sets up a match with Jungle Hook against Big Bill and Lee Moriarty in L.A. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I, I'm into the Jungle Hook team. Um and yeah, and also Brian Danielson versus Kandosuke and Takeshda. So, like, I I don't think this is like a, a make or break thing on Mercedes Monet here. Um, but what we have uh, here is Brian Danielson taking out Tony Nese. A lot of people upset at at this. Brian Danielson's missing Wrestle Kingdom to wrestle Tony Nese. Da, da, da. And it's like, all right, man, Um, let. You know what else Brian Danielson is missing New Japan? He's missed every other event they've ever had. <laughs> he missed the G1. He missed, like, any other big show, too. Like, when he gets to New Japan, he'll get to New Japan. Like, watch New Japan. You know, New Japan has their own stuff going on. Like, you know? And AEW has their stuff going on. So, like, was Kenny Omega going over there not good enough? Was FCR going over there not good enough? Did you need more white people going over there for you? I don't know. You tell me. But um Danielson and Nice, uh solid match. Um you know, just just real short. Uh Nice is a guy I love. I'm, you know, higher on Nice probably than most people. Uh, got got some good heat and then eventually, you know, went down uh, via the um the running knee and then Danielson did the regal stretch and the crowd just kind of looked at him. I feel like when Danielson does these regal stretches, the crowd just doesn't like either pick up on it. They're like, why isn't he doing like the yes lock? Why isn't he doing the, the, the Blackpool combat elbows? Why isn't he doing the uh, triangle hold that he was doing? Why isn't he doing the knee? Why is he doing this other move? Like, I, I still feel like people were doing this, but um, after that, he basically got on the mic. He said, it's great to be home He's feeling froggy. He's ready for another fight, and he basically was challenging MJF to come out there. MJF came out, called him brain Damage Brian, and a mark, and uh, he basically said he's a special attraction. He doesn't wrestle, so this is more of the MJF not wrestling stuff. And I don't know, man. You gotta wonder if if MJF has some kind of crippling, uh, you know. <laughs> Does he have some type of debilitating condition that prevents him from wrestling? Like, is it? Does he have some type of frail body that that prevents him from lacing him up? Because I don't know. It's it, it's not for me. But he basically said if Lance Melan, uh, Lance, oh Lance Malenko, Jesus, uh, if Lance Storm and Dean Malenko could have a child, he'd be more charismatic than Danielson. Um, that was a. That was a mean one. Uh, <laughs> and he said he wouldn't be uh, surprised if Danielson's mother in 1981 opted for a goat instead of a human suitor. Uh, and we heard the words human suitor more times than I've ever heard in my life. Because Danielson then flipped it back and saying, All the boys in the back have fucked your mom, basically. And all these other people in the arena are all her human suitors. And um, I was... I thought this was completely uninspired between these two. Um, MJF said the title is what makes him the best. And it it gets better from here, but that first part is just like, ugh. Um, After that, we got, uh, he was basically saying, you know, he's the best in the world. And the people that have been in the business, uh, he said, what? The people in the business call him the best in the world. And he named, uh, basically, anti-AEW uh Illuminati of Eric Bischoff, Jim Cornette, Disco Inferno and all these other people. Uh and he's the people that call you the best are the mark journalists and people that have never been in wrestling and stuff like that. Um and Danielson basically said it's you know, it's time to fight. Fuck all that. He hates MJF and, you know, he he basically challenges him and MJF tries to set up, you know, the the, hey, uh, go through the, the the levels to test me. But Danielson kind of sniffs it all out and says, forget all that. Uh, he basically has to win every match until February 8th. Uh, and after that, he will be able to name the stipulation. So he chooses an Iron Man match. Uh, MJF says that, you know, he snaps. He said, Tony Khan doesn't run the company. The EVPs don't run it. He does. And he'll, you know, you, you'll basically do what I say. Uh, he's there. You're trying to let me cheat in front of the ref. And this is before he unveils the Iron Man stipulation. And Danielson's going to run through everybody. MJF puts in front of him. And he said he's going to expose MJF and tells him he doesn't have the cardio, which is a, a real insult to to somebody. And, um, yeah, Revolution main event looks like 60-minute Iron Man match. MJF and Brian Danielson. Now, after what I've seen on Russell Kingdom, ironically, that night, It was like, okay, they're setting up MJF versus Danielson in a 60-minute Iron Man match. I'm like, if there's anybody I want to see doing a 60-minute Iron Man match with Brian Danielson, it is not MJF. No disrespect to his wrestling ability and anything like that. A lot of people were brought up he went 48 minutes with CM Punk. And I'm like, yeah, was that really that exciting? Was that some match that, you know, we're just like, oh, incredible. No, that was, (laughs) they worked for a long time. They, they, they were in the ring for a long time. They weren't working for a long time. They weren't, you know, redefining the sport. Like if you're wrestling 60 minutes in 2023, you gotta be up there. Hall of Fame guys. Like that, that's not what I'm looking for here. Um, I don't know, man. Um, it, it, this is, this is, I'm not into this. Uh, I, I hate to say it. Danielson feels kind of like a weak challenger. They're they're going to heat him up over the next five weeks. Obviously, they're going to do him into catching next week. That's going to be phenomenal. He's going to go forward through, you know, hopefully a lot of cool opponents. Um, but the destination doesn't, it's almost like somebody said backstage, like, well, Brian wrestled the Miz a lot. Why don't we have him wrestle MJF and then we'll do it. The we'll we'll do that stuff better than they ever dreamed they could do it. But um, uh, I MJF and Danielson isn't a match that I'd want to see go sixty minutes. Sorry, um, you know, and and it feels like MJF is is light on material right now. Um, and the further like we're not. Close to 2024. And the thing is, I feel like a lot of us have sniffed it out already. Like, he signed an extension despite what's going on. So we're not really even buying it from that angle. But if you're someone that is kind of hanging on his every word and saying, yeah, my contract is up 2024, that's 11 months from now. So you're sitting through this thing, this 2024 thing with him. And I feel like that's already, like, I don't know if it's because, you know, I, I'm ascribed to the theory that he already re-signed. So none of it is, like, really landing for me like that. But if it's, like, 2024 and that's his whole thing, the war of 2024, that's a long time away. It's a lot longer time. is going to feel like he's going through the paces of this promo. And I don't know, man. That's not particularly exciting for me. But, um... If anyone's gonna save this in the ring, it'll be Brian Danielson. Uh and MJF's no slouch in the ring. It's just like we know what it is. <laughs> We've seen the the layout here. We know that the the cheating stuff and Danielson's basically doing this Iron Man match to combat the cheating where okay, if you cheat, you gotta keep doing it but his plan is to over that 60 minutes kind of do it and I feel like I feel like people are gonna be furious Danielson's not winning this match uh, I would be shocked if he won the championship uh, from MJF here I feel like the only way uh, MJF could drop the title is if like he just registers a bunch of disastrous ratings but they don't let him wrestle anyway so how can you really pin him, pin him on on him so I don't know man um, <laughs> that's it's a lot here but after that, we got Swerve Strickland taking on A.R. Fox. So, Swerve came out, uh, slightly tweaked entrance music uh, with the mogul affiliates around him. This, this was like a superstar entrance, I, I thought. And, you know, Swerve came out and the group, like, looked really strong as compared to um, their first appearance where everything was kind of haywire. Uh, it looks like, you know, like these guys have just been told, hey, man, look menacing, walk straight, walk around Swerve. Keep it basic. It's back to basics, it felt like, as far as the presentation. And I think it worked. Um, and then, you know, Strickland and Fox, they have a long history going back to Lucia Underground. Uh, this match is fantastic as well. Uh, a lot of said, This is awesome, Chance. Holy shit, Chance. Uh, and this was a lot of like, anything you can do, I can do better, as far as the. the- the flips off the apron back in the ring, uh, sweeping out, you know, the legs, uh, there was a slingshot corkscrew brain buster, uh, Fox did. I love that thing. Um, there was like the pump kicks over the rope somersaults and, uh, just a lot of like one upsmanship here. And, you know, you could easily tell these guys are familiar with each other. Uh, it was looking really pretty, uh, at the beginning. And then it got like, you know, a little more physical towards the end. Um, they basically, you know, they did some, uh, g- like Fox did like a, a kip up insecurity that was pretty cool. Uh it was a somersault cutter and swerve like countered it into a German suplex and a flat liner. Uh he basically gave uh Fox like a crotch. He crotched a move out of the corner, but uh Fox gave him a, a short cutter and iconoclasm into another cutter. Uh Fox was coming off the rope with the four fifty splash. Uh and then there was you know, they were uh they had uh the, the tattooed guy who Taz started making up all these names for Kind of took the referees' attention away. Swerve on the top rope uh, gets handed a gimmick by Parker. Uh, hit him in the corner. Uh, Swerve gave him a Death Valley Driver off the second rope onto the apron. That shit was crazy. Uh, and then basically rolled him back in. Swerve something for the win. This is Swerve real dominant over here. I thought this was a good win for him. Uh, and as far as like you know the group presentation, much improved from the first time. Uh, would love to see Swerve and Fox run it again and kind of uh, and take the. Let these boys go out there and, and and with them weapons. That's that's what that's what I think I want to see with these guys. So um, after that, we got that Sareh segment that I mentioned before. FTR came to the ring. Um, or excuse me, FTR did not come to the ring. It was time for the funeral of FTR. The guns came to the ring, and I was fucking dying. They put the F-T-R-I-P up there. They put the tombstones. They came out wearing black and looking sad. I pop for mock funerals and wrestling all the time. going back to the rock holding the funeral for Steve Austin after uh, WrestleMania 15, I think. He comes out. This man has no shirt on. That man has a suit. And then he has like, oh, yes, this this Texas trailer park piece of trash lays the rest. Like, it, I think it's pretty funny, but... um. He said uh, they held all the tag titles except the AEW and there 10 stars in their hearts. <sighs> swig of water for the working man. Uh, the Guns said they destroyed their legacy, their 10-year legacy in 10 minutes. Uh, they basically played FCR's music. FCR had been at Wrestle Kingdom before this, so everyone was like, hold on. Did they fly to Seattle somehow? They did not. The Guns just laughed and they said they're the new living legends. So this thing continues got a quick recap for the series for the best of seven uh next week uh, we've got the elite versus the death triangle and man <clears throat> what a fucking series this has been um these guys have gone with like they, they, they got there was a lot of people that said yo you can't do this you can't do this best of seven it will not work People will be bored. You can't do the same match over and over again. I don't think they tried to prove you wrong there because they didn't try to do the same match over and over again. They kind of did this, like, progressively escalating story. No pun intended with the Escalera de la Muerte. Where it ended up in a ladder match at the end. And looking at the falls, how they laid this all out, it was like they didn't really beat people. Like to where it was like, oh, okay. Like there were um there was a uh Meltzer Driver pin in game five, I believe. Um there was a pin from the one wing angel off of like a whole gimmick in a stage to beat Ray Phoenix at one match. There was a reversal of a of a move uh of Pack, you know, doing his shooting star uh deal and went into the knees. There was hammer shots in the other match. So they've kept this like Everyone's strong. There's not a lot of people doing like just clean one, two, three jobs. Like Kenny got hit with the with the uh, hammer in game one and all that. But it leads to to this ladder match. And this is gonna be incredible. Um we we, we saw what what Kenny did in the dome. Like I said, we'll get into that uh when Jans get back on the show. I kinda wanna organize my thought. I know it's been, you know, five days since Wrestle Kingdom, but you guys can wait a, a little bit longer for, for the Dream Team to come back together for that. But, um, yeah, man, uh, this is going to be excellent. And they basically, everyone that said they couldn't do it. They proved them wrong. And I'm very excited about this. Like, this is going to be a defining match. And I can't, for the life of me, wrap my head around the thought of wanting someone to screw it up. All the fantasy booking. All the... What if Adam Cole returned to cost the elite? What if various person from injury comes out? What if CM Punk comes back and, and while such and such is on top of the ladder? And it's like, who detached us, man? We got all these six matches, right? Fire matches, right? Various like levels of clean or not wins, right? We want to see someone win at the end, I would think, right? But apparently this is this is not the case for a lot of people. Because this is like Russoism that has, has ran rampant, rampant in wrestling. This is WWE brain. This is just... It always has to be about moving something forward. No, man. I want to see who's better. Because that's like what a best of seven series is. We need to see who wins at the end. We don't need to see such and such fuck somebody out here and then they just... They're up the creek. They, they had these seven matches for nothing. No, man. Like... When um Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were beating the shit out of each other in that Hell in a Cell match, I did not want to see Bray Wyatt bring his fat body out there and start a few with Dean Ambrose. I wanted to see who was the better man, straight up, out of those two. And I want to see who the better trio is between Death Triangle and the Elite here and give somebody a clean win, essentially. Like, a, as clean as you can get in a ladder match. So, I don't know, man. I think this is a whole, like... Like, like, thing. It's like, bro, like, it's just like, yo, like, l- l- let's look at these comments here. Um, you know, Crystal Fisher says six completely distinct matches. Black Saber, I think Death Triangle wins. Uh, Adam Uri, nah, bro, the elite are going to win in feud with CMFTR. He is kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, oh man, I, I like the point of a series, I think, is to see who the better team is. I don't think we need to fuck somebody at the end of this. I think it's stupid to think like that personally. And it's like, no, that's not, it's not why I, you know, got into the company. So, um, but yeah, man, um, let's keep going. Cargill and velvet against sky blue and Kira Hogan. This was standard match. Nothing really notable here, uh, except red velvet walking out on Jade again. So they're furthering that story. Um, I wonder how people feel about Red Velvet possibly being the one to beat Jade. Um, I always thought that would be a nice full circle thing. Uh, Velvet was gone for a long time with injury. I don't know if she's necessarily been built up in her own right, so maybe that's why they're taking her time with it, To even if they're going to explore that option. They want to give her a little bit of something to stand on, even if she does lose that match um, going into it. I feel like, uh, you know, that injury. If Red Velvet wasn't wasn't injured and she was doing stuff to really win the crowd back over and stuff like that, she would be someone to look at to to end Jade's streak. But I I, I wouldn't do that now. Um, we knew the like we had heard of the plan to to have Statlander be the one to to take it off Jade. So Jade's almost like she's in overtime like with this belt right now, and uh, I think a lot of people are starting to you know tap tap the wrist like, hey man, what are we doing with this? And um you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to uh to Red getting a shot and they they get like an extended match. Uh by all accounts Jade and Sky Blue actually had a solid match over on a uh, Battle of the Belts. So um can, you know, they get the interest level needed to get Jade and, and Red Velvet into um a program to where people want to see Jade win or excuse me, red win. I don't think people necessarily want to see red velvet win. It would just be cool because of the full circle nature of it. She was the first person um, that was in the streak, but Jade has kind of been blockaded off from a lot of the division with the TBS stuff. She's kind of been in her own world. So um, we'll see how that goes. But after that, we got Darby Allen and Samoa Joe. Now this wasn't as uh this wasn't as good as uh their first match. However, it was still awesome. Like I mentioned, um Seattle guy. This is the guy that this company started with when, you know, they didn't have Swerve. They didn't have Danielson, right? The guy for the Northwest for AEW was Darby Allen. We always thought it'd be special when he when he got a chance to go up there, and boy was it! Nick Wayne sitting in the front row. Um, I'm sure Brian Alvarez is hanging out somewhere around there. All these guys are kind of connected. Really cool moment. Just hugging them before the match and everything like that. And um, this crowd just came unglued for this match, and they really made this like a really special moment. I was very happy for Darby Allen to win it. I feel like Darby's the really the man with the TNT title per, to me personally um, that, that just felt like you know he he deserved like to, to have that run in front of fans he was such a great champion, developed into a, a reliable ratings draw with that championship before uh, such a great storyteller, such a great um, just uh, you know, guy that takes a lot of punishment, beats himself up for us and I don't think that can go Um, Without mentioning, he basically makes Samoa Joe, he he takes 15 years off of Samoa Joe's age. Uh, I don't know what it is, but Joe must fucking love wrestling this guy. Um, And at the end, Darby picked up the TNT Championship uh, with a coffin drop, cleans the sheet. Um, Our top two champions are MJF and Darby Allen um and <laughs> you know that's that's not a bad that's not a bad uh set, set of champions and you you look at AEW uh today celebrating their four-year anniversary of, of the uh, press conference and all that and it's like man these guys came in they were at the bottom they were in like you know the, the pre-show battle royal i don't even think Darby was on the first show he he got bumped to the second show and looking where they've come up and uh, you know we got a question that's going to like uh kind of uh talk about this a little bit but these guys have been allowed to grow into the wrestlers they've become uh as far as status wise from day 1 there's been focus on each of these guys they they didn't send MJF out there with a mic to rip on Bret Hart for no reason they didn't put Darby in there with Cody for no reason like these guys are both long-term plans Pillars, uh, and you know, going into it, you know, I want to see both of these guys like start mixing it up, like with a lot more of the top of the roster. Like, uh, like I, I want Kenny and Darby for sure. Uh, I want Danielson and Darby at some point. Um, you know, MJF has been, uh you know, kind of sequestered away from you know your Kennys, and uh, he's been in there with Mox before, but and he's been in there with Jericho. Uh, but there's so much like talent up and down this roster that I don't think has had a chance to come together yet because of you know the pandemic injuries everything else that's out there. There's just um, you know with those two, there's great matches waiting for both of them. So very happy to see Darby get it back. I thought Samoa Joe was excellent um, as far as like the whole King of Television run. It was short, but um, it's a secondary championship. It's not. He did, no one has to hold it for six months it doesn't need to be held for a year or anything like that they did like a little solid Wardlow thing on the inside of this thing they saw that last Darby match get over and um, I think you know TK kind of looked at Darby kind of had a light 2022 It was a light year for him were there injuries I don't know but he, he was left in tags a lot he was not a main focus and every, he felt like he kind of got lost but he's back and he's back in full force. So let's go, Darby. Run it back. Let's do it. I'm fired up here. So um, yeah, man. After that, let's get into our questions. So we have, man. Let's see. Let's let's see what we got here. I want to thank everybody for for sending in their questions. First of all, <coughs> um, I'm going to take another sip of water. So, first question. We're going to go with Black Saber Jr. He says, with the report that Stardom is trying to work with other companies and freelancers for a show in April, what is a Joshi dream match you'd like to see? For him, it would be FWC versus the Magical Sugar Rabbits or Vinny versus Mayu Iwatani. Hmm. Okay. Um. A lot of my dream matches kind of involve Takumi Roha. And I think she's wrestled a lot of these people, so I'm gonna remove Takumi here. <laughs> um, so I'm not as familiar with the rest of the Joshi scene as, as you know, for example, as James would be. However, um, I will take the route of like I want to see some doors being knocked down. If it's gonna be this super event. That they want to draw a lot. And they want maybe to show some reverence to the past. I want Aja Khan coming to start him. I don't care how it has to happen. I know Rossi and her don't fuck with each other. But I want Aja Khan to come in. Work an undercard tag with somebody. It can be anybody on the roster. I don't care who it is. But um, And then I want the photo op with, with Rossi and, and Aja Khan. That's my dream match there. Um, Number two. And who who in your opinion is the funniest wrestler alive? Um, okay. I find Double J absolutely hilarious. And I don't think he's trying to be funny at all. Um I also find Kenny Omega hilarious. If you watch his entrance to Wrestle Kingdom where he <laughs> he is turned around. He puts the arm up for the one-way angel and then he like leans around I'm going to turn around in the chair and he has this look on his face and he's like I'm back and like his eyes light up like that shit's absolutely fucking hilarious um I have clipped the video already and yes it-, it-, it he's he's fucking hilarious um number 2 the next question comes from keeping it strong style the young boy Josh Smith says, Kenny is back from injury and suspension. With the Trio Series wrapping up and the Wrestle Kingdom match ended and reports of a potential Punk return, what would you personally like to see out of and for Kenny Omega going into 2023? I'm glad you asked. So, um, I would – I think this ties into what I was saying earlier with MJF and Darby Allen. These guys have kind of been allowed to kind of grow into those top positions. And I think it's important to – switch up the card enough to where new people are allowed to be tried for like a six month block at a time. Right. With Kenny having that, uh, IWGP us title would be a way to kind of keep him in his own Kenny Omega division. Kind of like it kept Mox in his own job. Moxley division. Uh, when he had that is it's booking protection to a certain, uh, you know, stance, but, it, we already are seeing, like you know, I like I want to see them win the, the trios championships and and stay in that trios and really make that solid up until probably about double or nothing. I would say would be a a, a a good run for for the Bucks and Kenny to have those trios belts and then the Bucks can break back off into tags, Kenny can break back into singles, and during that whole time he can just be defending that U.S. belt, whether he's he's making an appearance in New Japan of America or you know taking it back uh, to Japan itself or defending the belt in AEW. Um, I want to see people, you know, get imported for him to face. I want to see him against some of those guys that he hasn't faced. I I don't want any rematches aside from Chris Jericho. I would love to see in Winnipeg for the U.S. title, Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. I think that's I they should write that in pen right now and start advertising it for um the return to Winnipeg. But um, you know, it's gonna be really hard for him to get that Wrestle of the Year. I'm sure Will Osprey is not planning to take any days off. Um, so between the, the the years that Kenny Omega has, has, has really thrived, in my opinion, have been when he's, you know, gotten a chance to, quote-unquote, rest in, like, tag situations, and he basically, you know, just comes in and, you know... Acts like one of the cosplays as a as a, you know, as a great tag wrestler for like half or, or, or quarter of the year, and then you know he just fires off a bunch of singles matches against whoever. And that U.S. title is like kind of perfect for that. I would assume there's a big singles matchup for Bindor uh, Dominion appearance. Um, I wouldn't even put a G1 out, out of out of question. The only thing I would say is I don't think the, the schedule will allow Kenny to do a G1 at this point in the AW. Um, he's Gonna plant. I'm I'm sure he's gonna be wanting to make up for a lot of the time from that he missed from last year. So, final answer: Trios run up until about double or nothing, while defending that U.S. title. You know, most of the year, possibly getting into that A.W. title scene around the All Out, Uh, and then with CM Punk. I mean, I I don't know if he'll be back. A lot of people want that match. I'm not clamoring for it personally, Uh, but if it happens, cool. It'll It'll do business, um, <laughs> and it'll you know it it'll, it'll be something that a lot of people are looking forward to. I'm sure the promos would be excellent, <clears throat> and I think Kenny would surprise a lot of people as far as you know with his promo ability. But Punk obviously would be no slouch in that area. He would just really have to hold his own, um, and you know when it comes to wrestling. And I am not a person that enjoys watching when Kenny Omega has to wrestle down to the level of his opponent. That. I, I saw that enough uh, when he wrestled Cody, but, you know, a lot of people want this match, so, um, you know, maybe another AEW championship at the end of the year, but I'm not, like, necessarily uh, clamoring for that, although his performance at Wrestle Kingdom did make me think otherwise, <laughs> I'll say that, but um, let's keep going. So, Rambo Pig says... If Carl Anderson pulls Tamatanga and or Hikaleo back to the fed with them, how does that affect your thoughts on the finesser of the year campaign for 2023 early like front runner? No, not really. Because like this just rules that would just line up with WWE's mission of like just signing the guidance of, of new Japan. It, it's not, I don't think Carl Anderson would necessarily be a recruiter or anything like that. I don't see how he would really benefit from that. Um, you know, I, I, N- nothing really there. Uh, as far as early front runner for finesse of the year, uh, I-, I don't think I can. We can't write off Keiji Muto still. I'm sorry. W- we can't. Um, uh, also, Rambones, what's the worst take you've seen on the Omega and Osprey match? I'm sure some people were trying to say it was a spot fest or something, but anything really unhinged. I think I saw some asshole on Twitter, uh, rather public, you know, account. Guy that you know is is pretty popular in the lexicon. Uh, I think he gave this a three and a half, if I'm not mistaken. And I saw someone else also, you know, kind of very popular video essay man, gave this four and a quarter. I don't think I've ever wanted to smack somebody for rating a match that you know the dispairance, the discrepancy from like you know what. Everyone else literally in the world thought it was and then like what these two people thought um there was someone that they, they they I mentioned gave it four and a quarter and three and a half and I just gotta say you should probably stop watching wrestling like if this is a three and a half star match no like like what wrestling or are we are we missing out on the rest of us missing out on why are you holding back on us um I heard um, maybe Cornette had some positive stuff to say in between just totally ripping uh, Osprey and Kenny down. So, you know, shocker there. But, um, yeah. Uh, Brewhaven says uh, – or Brenaven Candia says, um, what is your percentage on Vince fully taking back over this year? 100%. <laughs> he did take back over. He's the chairman. And um, – and it was like, yo, man, um, we know he wants what he wants to do. I don't think he's done all this to not take over, so 100%. Okay. Someone named Parker St. James at Royal Magic Show says, What did you think of the Kid Bandit Twitter lore? Does wrestling need more lore? And if you had to pick out one positive aspect of Bray Wyatt's current Uncle Howdy lore, what would it be? I'm almost offended that you would assume that I know any of the Uncle Howdy lore. What about me, Rich Latta, says that I am some sucker that follows the Bray Wyatt bull jive? What about me, in my audio history, since 2013, tells you that I think of Bray Wyatt as anything other than a con artist and a scammer? The Ben Simmons of professional wrestling. We'll go back to your questions. What do you think of the Kid Bandit Twitter lore? Okay. I was sent something from a friend of mine today that had the Kid Bandit Twitter lore on it. So I'm going to read it off for people that have not heard it, right? And I don't really know what I think of it yet. But maybe I will get a, um, a thought here. So, let's find uh, Kid Bandit's lore here. Uh, Going through a lot of stuff here. Make sure you uh, get your merch, get your merch. Okay, I got it right here. So, in wrestling lore, Kid Bandit is a corporate android created by a shadow organization named Bandit Corp to infiltrate the pro wrestling industry, use propaganda to create a following, analyze and profile professional wrestlers, and integrate their fighting styles to the profile of a super soldier which they will clone to create an entire army. Every big name in the wrestling world that she's ever interacted was by design because Bandit Corp. was trying to analyze them. She wasn't designed to win. She was designed to lose and record data. However, the program that was inside the android and data that got corrupted during its confrontation with Malachi Black, it broke free of the original programming and is now a rogue AI in the digital space and leading the resistance against Bandit Corp via sabotaging the corporation's propaganda. Their old body has now been repurposed by Bandit Corp to hunt down the old program, their associates, and the resistance she's building. Okay. With, like, the old body and the new body, there seems like there's elements of, like, the Terminator or something in there. But I think this is a cool story for somebody. Personally, I don't need all that. I need people to tell us why they want to fight. I need people to fight. I need people to be prideful about their work. I don't need an entire backstory lore for. To, to enjoy your match. Um it's cool that someone may uh put this much into, you know, their their craft and their art. This is how they want to express, you know, what they do in wrestling. Not going to bang on them for that. It's a little out there, but you know, if you want to come up with a way to uh cover for all the matches that you actually lose, right? And do and enough people get into it. Sure. I I don't think this is any worse than any of the Bray Wyatt stuff, honestly. Um, wrestling, and to his other question, he says, "Does wrestling need more lore?" I think wrestling needs more logical, like reasons to invest in people, rather than uh, is. I think people need to be believed in more. Like I think they need to take advantage more of all the tools they have, like social media say what you want about kid bandit kid bandit is trying to reach like a certain type of fan right now the number of those fans like we don't know you know who's out there you know with that but like i could see people really being into that right and buying into it buying merch about it and you know that i don't have any problem with that but like just like for me in my taste and like what I like about wrestling, I don't need all that. So, um, Ed dead, which of the four horsemen would, or four, excuse me. Which of the four horse women would have thrived in the attitude era. WWE. I feel like this is really easy. Um, this is Charlotte flair all day. One, she has the flair name. That's going to be like, <laughs> that's going to, uh, be good in any era of wrestling. Essentially. The other three, they weren't trying to do serious wrestling back then, so the other three will automatically struggle, right? Charlotte, however, uh, we know what Vince McMahon likes. He likes blonde, big-titty white women. That will never change. Um, And that, that was true in 2012. That was true in 2016. It was true now. It was true in 1998. Why would it? be any different. Um, Bruce asks if the tag team, one nation radio was being booked to split up, who would turn heel rich or James man, man, this is a, I feel like this is a question for the chat (coughs) chat. Who are you turning heel and and who are you turning baby face on, on this? Like how, how do y'all want to see it go down? Because, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I could cut some fiery babyface promos. You know, I, I could cut heel promos, too. I, I, I feel like I can do whatever, you know. Uh, Lethero Negro says, rich going heel. So, you know, if I'm a heel, one in the chat. If James is a heel, two in the chat. Retrogram, you're a heel 100%. This dude James is a belly stand. Okay. A lot of people saying I'll turn heel, man. So uh, I'm being cast as the villain here. Okay. I'll be the heel. I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and come up with all the, the wacky shit. Uh, if I'm going to be a heel, I'm going to be like Kenny. Like, <laughs> it's going to be execution, you know? Um, uh, and I always have the joke. Uh, if, if I ever like wrestled any of my friends or anything, we had like a backyard promotion, uh, Ryan Hart rich heel man y'all just beat me down with the heel man damn what, this, this, this is what they think about you you know like ice cube says but um I always tell them I would have no problem putting them all over I would love to put them all over like I don't I don't want to beat any of my friends you know so uh you know I I learned about like how how to really like digest wrestling and how I really felt about like the the performers um through loss, uh, I grew up a really big Shawn Michaels fan. He lost a lot of matches after that, um, uh, you know, after that title run, and even before that title run, he was losing a lot. So I, I learned to watch what he did in defeat, and that really was the stuff that connected with me. And sometimes it was as a heel he would do that, uh, and sometimes it was as a babyface. But uh, and I feel like I would employ that. Uh, Adam Uri says, "Rich defense Double J. He's a babyface in my opinion." So, so he, he must be messing with me, but. <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. Um, yeah, man. It's um, interesting there. So let's go to the Discord. Let's see the questions we got there. We got Dr. Larry the Dark. Uh, he says, more likely to hold a WWE championship belt. Tony Khan or The Rock? Hmm. Okay. So this is a tough question for me because... I mean, some of y'all know, but I don't know how many of you guys know. I don't watch the NFL. Uh, I don't know how good the Jaguars are. I saw they won the division on Twitter, and Tony Khan, uh, you know, jumped into the guy's arms, dropped his phone and stuff like that. But I don't know if the Jags are actual legit co- contenders or anything. Uh, you know, I ever since the Colin Kaepernick stuff, I have sworn off the league. I, I still haven't, you know, broken that. It's been five, at least five years now. The Rock, we don't know if he's uh, actually going to show up to this thing. Every other report, like, puts it, um, um, like, like it seems like, you know, there's always a backup plan being talked about, whether it's Cody Rhodes or, you know, if they're going to dust Brock out of mothballs or something like that, but... Um, I'll just take a shot in the dark and say Tony Khan. Why not? Um, Adam says the Jags are not real contenders. They'll beat LA and then lose to his chiefs. Okay. So um, I think they just got to, they just got to pray for some type of miracle run. So I, I look, I'll root for the Jags to win just to see how Tony Khan reacts and, and how nuts he goes. Like, Tony may go insane so um and you know if if the Jags are in the Super Bowl or something right I'd assume you know the whole roster would, would go out there and uh be attending the game and we might get some you know we might get some good wrestling content out of this so I'll go with Tony Khan why not um and he also asks our uh, last question. He says, AW's ratings uh, or is AW continues to have low ratings. Do you think Tony Khan actually makes changes or does he stick with his formula that is netted diminishing returns? Uh, they have had a couple ratings of late that have been low um, in some of those ratings, like have come with like heavy competition and stuff like that. I think that is uh, a dangerous game to play. If you're just, you know, isolating uh, individual weeks, I think ultimately they're, they're in an area, like where they're fine I don't think this is a um, you know a situation to where everything's in free fall you're scrambling I say just keep telling your stories the crowds that have shown up to these shows these last like month or two it seemed like they've been really happy with, with AW I think the fan base has been really happy the numbers are gonna be what the numbers are and I would continue to just, you know, do what you're doing here. Um, You don't need to get desperate or anything like that. And I don't think Tony Khan actually really has a history of ever getting desperate. Um, He, you know, they had the the situation where he snatched the book, but, you know, his real major move was like, all right, um, we'll take a week off like that. the, The network mandated us to, and then we'll come back and then just start rolling out fire television. That was the adjustment. So, like, I don't think the television is necessarily, like, any worse or anything right now than it was, like, say, you know, January 1st, 2020 into, like, Revolution, right? I feel like the, you know, like, we're getting, you know, shows where, uh, like, New Year's Smash, right? You're getting, like, three three matches that are, like, four and a quarter on there. Like, you're getting this show next week. Let's take let, Let's take a look at next week, right, and tell me if this is something that you would not do, you have the elite versus death triangle game seven, you have Brian Danson versus Konoska to You have John Moxley versus hangman page. If this, these are things you should not do. I want to know what you actually are supposed to do because as I mentioned, the numbers are going to be what the numbers are. You just keep booking, you know, for your fans and you know, the networks, like they'll tell you if something's wrong, like, I don't think this is a situation like ROH where it's like, yo, there's this fucking albatross on, like, the the show or anything. Um, But, yeah, man, um, looking at it, going forward, I I think they got to uh, just stay the course here. So, besides that, uh, man, I think we are at the end of the line, a little bit shorter uh, on the episode here uh, today for One Nation Radio, um, but we have a lot of cool things going on at the beginning of the year. As I mentioned, we're going to be back Thursday to do the whole Wrestle Kingdom review. going to talk more. Uh, James has more stories from Japan that he's been uh, dying to talk about on the show. Even I don't know them yet. Um, we also have the One Nation Radio Awards, which you can still vote on. Uh, a lot of stuff, uh, going on in those awards. We went over the up to date kind of handicapping for that. Uh, I believe the, uh, Keeping It Strong Style Awards, um, will be, uh, you know, getting wrapped up shortly. Uh, they'll, they'll be debuting those. Uh, they just did a pretty cool Wrestle Kingdom review on there. And, um, From there, as I mentioned, FOH that is still available. Um, and we are just about doubled last year's uh donation. So, many thanks to anybody that has donated, uh, whether it was a dollar, whether it was fifty dollars, whether it was a hundred fifty dollars. Like, that is all very appreciated. Like, we when we put those things out, it's like (laughs) it's like we don't know necessarily like what the reaction is going to be because we do so much stuff just like off the strength and off the love and everything like that. And then uh, for you guys to like kind of pay it back to us, uh, it was really cool to see and we appreciate it for sure. Uh, Bruce says better way in. Uh, You'd be a great heel with the cigar and the camera zooms as you cut promos. Yeah, I always have the cigar ready. So I guess I would have to have the cigar to smoke the pack uh, uh, on my opponents and, you know, things like that. But, Um, That is going to wrap the show up uh, for tonight. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, You guys know where to find all the shows. uh, Everything that's here between us and Keeping It Strong style. All things elite. Um, And also um, Danny's shows. um, And you know uh, all the archive material. I'm here just off the top of my head uh, looking at it. Let's pull out the official list so um, I don't flub All the shows here. Keeping it strong style. One Nation Radio. All Things Elite. Keeping it strong style. One Nation Radio. All Things Elite. AW Match Guy Podcast. It's a little bit further back. It ended, but shouts out to Sam. Um, And also, uh, Get in the Ring. uh, and All Danny shows. But um, yeah, man. Appreciate you guys rocking with me here on the Twitch. Uh, And... You know, we'll at y'all and, um, check out, you know, some, some of the stuff that I've been popping on the YouTube channel, just, uh, shot a, uh, a vlog for a new song I got called Fear of Being Regular. I uh, got my album set to come out soon, just finalizing the, uh, track listing and, and the rollout and all that. So I have more information about that, but, um, also, um, I'm going to be doing a very exciting thing, um... Over the weekend, I will tell you guys about it on Thursday. Um, And it's a great opportunity that has been afforded to me that I never imagined in a million years that this would happen. But shout out to Swerve Strickland. Uh, I will be joining his podcast uh, in the near future for a recording. And um, there is... I've said enough. I'll let you guys know on Thursday. So I'll get up out of here. Peace.